If you have a Bible with you this morning, find the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, way to the right side of your Bible. And how many of you are excited to watch Pastor Corey on the balance beam in a moment? Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, he told me he was going to ride the bike on the balance beam while holding up the weight set. So I don't, that's what he said. So we'll have to see when we get there. But uh, it, it's great to see you today. It really is. Thank you for making church a priority. Uh, it's a big deal to me, just church and gathering together. I believe it's in the heart of God. It's scriptural. It's a powerful thing. Uh, if you're watching online right now, thanks for joining us. We welcome you as well. Uh, I'm excited to share with you really what God has kind of been putting on my heart. Today we're starting a brand new four-part series that is titled, Go for the Gold. Come on, go for the gold. Uh, and here's where we're headed with this series, okay? The Apostle Paul wrote some things that we have in our Bible even today where he uses athletics and in a way the Olympics to teach Christians what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those things that he wrote. Uh, and listen, we're gonna have some fun with this. This is gonna be cool, but I also believe that this is going to be extremely challenging because Paul, in a way, what we're gonna see is him kind of kick us in the rear a bit and say like, are you in or are you out? Because this is a big deal and this halfway version of Christianity just like isn't cutting it, okay? So get ready for that. Uh, that, that's kind of where we're headed here, okay? So um, let's get right into the Bible. I want us to start by reading a passage of scripture together. So will you stand with me all over this place? And we're gonna read 1 Corinthians chapter nine, starting in verse number 24. So verse 24, and so let's read this. I'll read it, you follow along in your Bible or on the screen, so here we go. It says this, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs? but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Let's pray. God, we, man, we just come to you today sitting on the edge of our seats, leaning into what you would have. God, our hearts and our minds open open to, to you today. And so Lord, speak to us through your very word. Use me, God, but we're not after my words and my thoughts. We want you and we want to experience you. And so we pray for that, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Yes, all right. Okay, how many of you are fans of the Olympics? Raise your hand, nice and high, okay, come on, that's great stuff. Uh, if you didn't know, the Summer Olympics officially began this week. This next week is like the opening ceremony, all that type of stuff. 
And over the past month or so, USA and all over the world, but the United States have been holding trials uh, where they have decisions of who is going to be on the American team for different events. And those have been on TV and those have been all over the news. Like my, my wife and I, we love the Olympics. It is so much fun. It is a highlight uh, for us from the opening ceremony to the closing ceremony to everything in between. Like I will watch it all. All of it, uh, I love it. Like specifically, I love the Summer Olympics. Snowboarding, skiing, that stuff is cool. Ice skating, whatever. But like, I love the Summer Olympics. It's where we get the track stuff. Any fan of track and field? Yeah, we got a hurdle over here. Have you, have you seen how high this thing is? This cannot be how high they really are, right? Like, because I don't think very many of us could even jump over that let alone like sprint and jump over it. You're, someone says there, someone was pointing and saying the real ones are actually higher than that. I don't know. That's pretty crazy. I would hurt myself. We're going to have that out in the entryway for you to jump over <laughs> on the way out if you want. But I, I'll go first. I love the track stuff. Uh, like we get to see the fastest people in the world compete against each other. That is so cool. 100 meter dash, I love that. We have sprints and long distance stuff, and which is awful. I do not like running long distance. Long jump, high jump, throwing events, discus shot put, like crazy things, throwing javelins. Have you seen, like, they basically throw this crazy spear like across a football field. That is so cool. All right, and, and the pole vault, what is going on there? That is an amazing event that none of us should try, right? <laughs> that is so cool. I, I love the track and field events. Um, we also have swimming in the Summer Olympics. Raise your hand if you're like, I like the swimming things. Like, okay, a couple of us. You're like, I don't know if I, okay. Uh, that is so much fun. Uh, big names in the swimming stuff for America over the years. We've had Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky. And th this year we have a 15-year-old girl named Katie Grimes. It's like, it's a big deal. She's 15. And in the Swimming Olympics for America, how cool is that? I love the swimming. I'm excited about that. And then, of course, we have gymnastics. Anyone like the gymnastics stuff? Yes. Yes. So cool. I almost wore a leotard today to church. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> How do you sign leotard? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> That's fantastic. But man, I, gymnastics stuff, so cool with the balance beam. I was looking at this thing. Um, this is crazy. Like, this is really high and really skinny. And that people can do flips and stuff on, that is, it's, it's absolutely incredible. I'm excited about that. We have Simone Biles, okay, all this stuff. Did you know that two of the five on um, the, um, the women's Olympic team are from Minnesota this year? That's crazy. Uh, one from St. Paul, one from Isanti, actually, and so that's coming up as well. Um, but what I like most about the Olympics, and we're going to move on to this and get to the Bible quickly, I promise, but like, I, I love watching what these athletes are able to make their bodies do. It, it's, it's phenomenal what they can do. Uh, from the flips into things, the speed at which they run and do things, the height they get, the endurance that they show, it is amazing the command that these athletes have over their physical bodies. Uh, this week I actually found, my, I found myself reading about the history 
of the Olympic Games. It's fascinating. Did you know that the Olympics are actually somewhere around 3,000 years old? 3,000 years old, you heard me right. The oldest historical records we have from the Olympics are from 776 B.C., That is crazy, though most historians believe that it's even older than that. That year, 776 BC, we have that historically. At that time, it was a single event, took place in the city of Olympia, Greece, which is where we get the word Olympics. Uh, And it was this part of this religious festival to the Greek gods, is how that originally started. Okay, that event was a 192 meter foot race called the Stade, which is where we get our English word stadium. This is all sorts of crazy stuff, okay? Uh, This event was a tribute to the Greek god Zeus. That's like Greek mythology stuff. And ever since that point, and even before that, but that point for sure, it has been every four years. In fact, fact, um, a four-year period in history has now been labeled an Olympiad. That's four years, an Olympiad. That's kind of funny. Uh, But eventually over the years, they added more events, 400-meter run, long-distance run. They added what was called a a pentathlon, which consisted of five events and was considered like the best overall athletes. It was a sprint, a long-distance run, two different jumping events, and does anyone know what the fifth event was? Wrestling. I have no idea why, okay? All right, this is like before Jesus. They were doing that. I love that. Originally, these games were only for Greeks, only for people from Greece in that area. It was only males, uh, but things changed actually when the Roman Empire overtook Greece. And this is where we get closer to the time of Jesus. The Roman Empire in charge of that entire region, even when Jesus was born, including the Greek world. And the Roman Empire expanded what was the Olympic Games significantly, adding more events to it, adding athletes from a much larger geographic region. I thought this was fantastically funny, okay? In 67 AD, this is 67 after, you know, right after the year zero, okay? The famous emperor Nero of Rome, who, by the way, was famous for his persecution and murder of Christians, uh, well, he entered an Olympic chariot race. This was 67 AD. Well, during the race, he fell off his chariot, took, like, last place, crossed the line, and declared himself the winner (laughs) as Caesar. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's how, that's how history works, okay? Uh, every four years, we had the Olympic Games, okay, from, from 700-whatever B.C. all the way until 393 A.D. At that point, an emperor, uh, a Christian emperor, came onto the scenes and put a stop to the Olympic Games because he wanted, he wanted to stop all pagan type of festivals. So that was interesting. So from 393 AD, and then about 1,500 years, there was no Olympics, up until 1896, which is where the first modern Olympics were held, and of course, they were held in Greece, and now here we are 3,000 or more years later from the very beginning, still having the Olympics, still having it every four years in this type of way. That is crazy, isn't it, historically? Now, enough of that. Let's get to the Bible, because here's where this is really cool. Understand, the Apostle Paul was a Jewish man but he was also a Roman citizen and 
Clearly, Paul was very familiar with the Olympic Games. They, they like took place right, right where he was. Uh, in fact, we know that Paul spent time in Greece, was there multiple times in a number of different cities, but specifically, we know that he spent time in a Greek city called Corinth. Why do we know that? Because in our Bibles, we actually have two letters that Paul wrote to this church, to this group of Christians that were living in Corinth. The, the letters are 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Okay, One of those letters we read from just a few moments ago. Why does Paul write this letter to them? Well, Paul had been there and he had started a church in a place where there was zero Christians. He brought the message of Jesus to these people. This church starts, and then he takes off and goes somewhere else to bring the message of Jesus to another place. And this church and these Christians are left in a way trying to figure out what does it look like for us to be followers of Jesus, even though we've never physically met Jesus. Jesus is no longer physically on earth, and there's no one, there's no scripture really, there's nothing to tell us what it looks like to be a modern follower of Jesus. They had to figure that out. And so Paul then, from someplace else, writes these letters. He wrote at least three letters to Corinth, by the way. Uh, we have two of them in our Bibles. Uh, and we don't know where the third one is. We don't have it, but he references it in one of his other letters. This is what's cool. Okay, so he writes these letters telling these people, this is what it looks like for you to be a group of Christians. This is what it looks like for you to be a Christian in a pagan culture and all of that. It's so cool. He writes this, and one of the illustrations that he uses to help teach them about being a Christian is the illustration of athletics athletes and even the Olympics to give an example of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, so with that in mind, that is the culture, that is what's happening here. With that in mind, let's dive into what he writes here. We read this a moment ago, but I want to go through it and kind of talk this out. This is verse 24. Here's what he says. He says, don't you realize that in a race, Everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. And he's not talking about in a race, everyone runs. He's saying the competitors, the athletes in the race, they all run, they all race, but only one of them gets the prize. This isn't rocket science here. This isn't brilliant. He's stating the obvious. You have a race and only one person wins, okay? Unless you're Nero and then, okay, whatever, all right? But at a race, there's a bunch of people that all start at the beginning. There's a bunch of contestants, a bunch of athletes. They all run, but in the end, only one of them wins. And then Paul continues, continues and he says, so run to win. Run to win. If you're going to run in the race, if you're going to make it to the Olympics, then good grief, try and win, okay, is what's going on. Now, now here's what we know about the Olympic Games even today. Like, most of the people who compete in the Olympics in Tokyo are not going to win. A massive majority will not. In, in fact, I looked this up. In Tokyo right now, this weekend, there are 11,238 people competing. 11,000 Olympic athletes that are competing in Tokyo here starting this next week, and there are 339 different events. What does that tell you? Nine out of 10 people easily, because some of them are team sports and different things, but nine out of 10 are not going to win even a medal at all, and much less a percent is going to win first place and take home the gold medal. Most people who make it to the Olympics have almost no chance of winning a medal. 
That's pretty sad, isn't it? That's kind of crazy. But when they show up and they're competing against Simone Biles and, and, and whatever else, and like they, they, they don't think to themselves, well, I made it here, but I'm going to lose, so I don't think I'm going to try hard. Right? I, I, you know, I'm just, I think, I, whatever. I'm not, he's like, Paul says, no, no, no. When you make it there, like, like do whatever you can to athletes. They run to win. They run to win. They don't run to just compete. They don't run to just be there. Like they, they, they want to win. They try to win. Okay? And he continues. He continues and he says this. Verse 25. He says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Okay? Talking about, talking about athletes. And, and I love this because you can't really talk about Olympic athletes and elite athletes without talking about the word discipline, can you? I mean, think about this with me. And, and this was true in Paul's day, and this is still true today. Like, Paul, Paul originally, he wrote this letter to, to this church. He wrote it in the language of Greek, to Greece. Uh, we have an English translation of that original letter. And the word that we have um, translated as the word discipline, it's, it's actually like a straight translation into English is to control one's body. To con- or c- to control oneself is what that word straight means. Like Paul is saying, understand, these Olympians, they don't just show up to compete every four years without training, without doing anything. That would be stupid. They would get smoked in everything that they do. Like, no, 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 that's not... These athletes have unbelievable self-control in between the four years that they compete. Unbelievable self-control. They discipline their lives. They discipline their bodies. They get up early and go to bed early. They work out multiple times a day. They, they are strategic with every single piece of food that they put into their body. I mean, think about this. If you want to be an elite Olympic athlete, like, this is what... The only way they are able to compete is with an unbelievable amount of self-control. Unbelievable amount. It's this internal motivation that they carry that when their body tells them like, I don't want to get up today at 5 a.m. to go lift weights. When they say like, I don't want to push harder. When they say, I just want a cheeseburger or I just want to go out with my friends, there's something inside of them that controls their body, that controls their mind and makes them say no to things, like makes their body do things and act in ways that very few other people can actually live. The amount of self-control and discipline that it takes to be an elite athlete is something that very few of us even have a minute understanding in. Okay, that's the reality of the situation. Athletes run to win. Athletes have this incredible level of self-control. He continues. He says, all athletes are disciplined. And then he writes, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. In the original language here, this is a translation as the prize. It's just the word wreath. Wreath. Okay, we have kind of a translation that has made it more uh, to help us understand that. They run to win a wreath that will fade away is what it originally said. In the ancient world, what that looks like is they would place this wreath, like it's almost like a, a crown, a plant that they would put. Maybe you've seen that in pictures and different things. And, and 
they would put that on the head of the winner, and it's this symbol of they are something special. They, they are the winner. They are the champion. It's this symbol of achievement and respect. You wear this wreath on your head as you are the best of the best. Okay? Um, obviously, today, we don't compete for wreaths in that way. We have gold, silver, bronze medals, and the gold medal winner stands up on the top of the podium, if you've seen this, and they play the national anthem of the country for that person, and everyone in this massive auditorium stands and respects that person's country and that person's accomplishment. That's what we have in the Olympics today. But I have a medal around here somewhere. Here we go. Okay? Uh, and so this is like, this is not a real Olympic gold medal, if you didn't know that. In fact, it says 2021 Swanville Tournament, third place. <laughs> That's so fantastic. This is like a fourth, third grade baseball, third place medal is what we have. But it's pretty much the same thing, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much, okay. Um, but, and, and here's where, like Paul, Paul kind of switches and he begins to talk and, and, uh, about us and he says, man, like this, this, this is what they compete for. Or in Paul's day, it would be the wreath. This is, this is what it is. And in our situation, he says athletes go after this. They sacrifice, they discipline their bodies, they do all of that in an, in an incredible way. Uh, for something that is temporary, for something that doesn't last, for something that is in the grand understanding of eternity and existence, it actually means very little. Like this is amazing here and now. I, I don't think that he's downplaying what athletes accomplish, okay? Th that's not, because he talks about their discipline and, and he, he, he's just saying, man, in comparison to an athlete, an Olympic level elite athlete who wins that crown and wears that and stands up. And in comparison to that, what we are after and what we are doing is a hundred times, a million times more important. That what, they, what they go after is temporary. It doesn't last. It will fade away. Like it, it means very little. We go after something that is greater. This, this medal is incredible. This medal is the height of physical achievement. What the physical body can go through in order. But, but what I'm going after, Paul says, it's even greater than that. We do this for an eternal prize. The word eternal here simply defined as without ending without ending, like forever, never ending, continuing on and on and on. This metal, temporary, it will end, but there will come a day when nobody even remembers this anymore. Nobody knows where, the, you know, how many of you can tell me the gold medal archery winner from 1968? Wow. <laughs> None of us know that. None of us care. In that moment, to that person and his family, think about how big of a deal that was. And for us, now we're like, who cares about that, okay? Now, okay, um, I love this. And, so, and then he goes on and, and he says, so I, so I run with purpose in every step. He's just used this illustration of an elite athlete. And he says, I run with purpose. I'm not just shadow boxing. Everything I do, every step I take, like I'm not just, 
I'm not just punching the air in practice, okay? Like, I'm, that may be good for practice, it may be good for training, but for me, like, it's so much more than that. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. I, I discipline my body, I control my body. I make my body and my mind do things that it doesn't always want to do, but that's how big of a deal this is to me, is what Paul writes. I'm willing to live my life like an elite athlete lives theirs. That's how big of a deal this Jesus thing is for me. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. He, he lands on this Olympic elite athlete illustration and he says the way in which an athlete goes about their life, an elite Olympic athlete, like that is how I follow Jesus. I run with purpose every step. I discipline my, I live with self-control. It's like I'm, it's like I'm training. That's how serious that I take this. Now, now, now very quickly, very quickly, before we finish up our service today, I wanna just talk about a single word. It's a word that, in my opinion, sums up what Paul is saying here. It sums up the illustration that he's making and the point he's trying to get across to these first century Greek Christians. It's the word commitment. Commitment. And I want you to understand that Paul is saying to these Christians 2,000 years ago, like, it's about your level of commitment. You want to know how to serve Jesus and you want to know how to be a Christian right now in this culture? You, okay, Jesus is gone and you, this is, your commitment level should look like that of an elite Olympic athlete. Uh, elite athletes carry with them a, a commitment like no other. It is ridiculous. It is excessive. For most, most normal people like you and me, it's absolutely crazy the level of commitment that they carry with them 24 hours a day for a four-year period, some of them for multiple Olympic games. In fact, I was watching, I was watching this interview with a particular like, Oli American Olympic gymnast from the, several years ago, and she said a whole bunch of things in this interview, but one of them just kind of stuck out to me. She said this. She said, if you have never trained for the Olympics, then you cannot possibly understand the commitment that it takes to be an Olympic athlete. When all your friends are going out at night, you stay home and go to bed early. When your family is celebrating a birthday, you don't eat cake. When everyone else is sleeping in on a Saturday, you're waking up at 5 a.m. You are constantly, all the time, every moment aware of the fact that you are an Olympian. Every moment of your life during that season, you are aware of the fact that this is who you are and this is what your life is about and what you are committed to. When your body tells you to quit, you keep going. When you fall horribly, attempting to learn something new, you get back up and you do it again. Being an Olympic athlete, listen to this, impacts everything you do, everywhere you go, it impacts your entire existence. You hear that? For those four years, you are 100% all in committed to being an Olympic athlete. And that's a commitment few people will ever understand and a commitment few people will ever experience. Now listen, that's, about, that, that's the illustration. Do you hear this? Do you hear that? The illustration Paul uses. Like, and listen to me. There are far too many people that call themselves Christians 
but are not committed. You understand what I'm saying? There are far too many people. Paul says, I'm like an Olympic athlete, 100% all the time, every day committed to following Jesus. This is not something I only do on Sundays. This is not something I do part way. This is everything I am, everything I have, all the time. All the time. Music team, will you please go? Or please come. You can go, but come. <laughs> go out and then come. Go, get, come. Listen, listen, before we go, before we go, before we finish this, like I think we need to ask ourselves kind of just an important question and, and understand this is kind of like, in a way, a very general, vague, um, almost a rah-rah sermon of he has thrown this out here of this is how committed we should be. Over the next couple of weeks, we're gonna kind of flesh this out a little bit and go into some more detail and how does this how do we do this and what does this look like? Okay, but very simply, not very many people in our culture are living their Christian life in this way. And the question is, what's my level of commitment to the cause of Jesus Christ? What's my level of commitment? And, and listen to me here. There's a whole lot of us who sit on the sidelines and watch the Olympics aren't there? And at times, you can be so invested in what's happening even on the screen that it's like you feel like you're actually a part of it. But let's not fool ourselves here. We are not Olympic athletes. We have not put in the time. We have not done what it takes to be an Olympic athlete. And though you may feel like an Olympic athlete for a moment as America is winning whatever and you're like, let's go, yeah! You are not an Olympic athlete. And I'm, and I'm, just, and I'm just telling you, like, like, so many people in our culture live with this low level of commitment. I'm committed to Jesus as long as it doesn't cost me anything. As long as I don't have to do anything. As long as I can keep all my money. As long as it doesn't overlap with my vacation time. Paul says your Christian life, it should look like an Olymp... Like the question we need to ask ourselves is, does this come close to describing the way that you live your life as a Christian? See, listen, we, we stand... We stand when missionaries come on, our, come on our stage. But for some of us, I think we're confused a little bit by why we stand for that. Okay? We don't stand because someone has just made the decision to move across the world. Like, that's not what it is. We stand to recognize radical obedience as a Christian. Radical obedience. Like, they have responded to what God is asking them to do in a very radical way compared to the way that most of us live our lives. We acknowledge that, and as Christians and as a church, we honor that. Radical obedience. But here's the thing. As Christians, every single Christian, every single one of us, if you call yourself a Christian, you're called to respond in radical obedience. It may look different from one person, it will look different from one person to the next, but we are all called in that way. And if you're here and you are, and you are thinking to yourself, being a Christian doesn't really cost me anything. There's nothing radical about the way that I live. 
I am nowhere close to living my Christian life the way that an Olympic athlete is living, then the Apostle Paul would look at us and say, this is unacceptable. Jesus gave his, his life for this. He died for this. And we're just going to take this free gift and live in complacency and ap these apathetic, lazy Christian lives that cost us zero? And somehow we think that this is what God intended. Like, I don't, I don't mean to, I don't mean to like kick us in the teeth, but some of us, we need to get kicked in the teeth. Because Jesus is calling us to something different. Will you stand with me all over this place? I just want to give someone here maybe a chance to respond to the message of Jesus for the very first time. Uh, this isn't about going to church. It's not about being baptized. It's not about being confirmed. It's not like that. That's not what being a follower of Jesus is. It is this understanding that I'm a sinner and that I have messed things up and that the relationship between me and the God who created me is broken because of my sin, because I've turned my back on the way that he wants me to live. And there's nothing I can do to, to make that right. That's why he sent Jesus to die for you, to die for me, to die for us. And the scripture says that if you will put your trust in him, if you will put uh, your faith in him, that there is this relationship with Jesus that can happen. It's not about religion. Religion is like, it's like us trying to do things to work our way to God. That's, this is more relationship. It's, it's you and God and a God who loves you and, and, and this beautiful thing that comes out of that. And maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I, I have never given my life to God. I've, I do not have a relationship with him like you're talking about, with no one looking around, with every eye closed and head bowed for just a moment of, of privacy and reflection. If you're here and you would say, that is me, that is me today, and I want to respond to Jesus today. If that's you, just quickly show me your hand. I just want to pray for you. If you're watching online right now, you could respond to this as well. Click a little button, okay? This is a heart thing between you and God, okay? This is not just words. It's, this is a, it's a deep down thing inside of you, but you could respond online too, and we want you to do that. Anyone in this place that would say, yes, that is me, and today is my day. I want to respond to Jesus today in that way. Okay, church, can we just pray together for, for those that are responding, for those that are, are making this commitment? Can we just pray? Everyone in this place, pray this. Pray, Father God, I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen, amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and we celebrate that. In a moment, I'm going to pray and end the service, but I think the challenge for us today is what does it look like for our commitment level to Jesus to go to the next level, to move forward in that? The next couple weeks, we're going to talk about that and be more strategic with some of that, but I think that's where it starts with this desire of Jesus. I want my life to be about you, and I discipline my body, and I move 
uh, in that direction with everything that I do. Let's pray before we go. God, I pray that as we walk out these doors today that we would be, uh, God, moved to, to commit our lives to you in a different way. That even as we think through this illustration that Paul gives of an elite athlete, training, disciplining, self-control, all of those things, God, uh, I just pray that we would be uh, overwhelmed with this desire to live our life for you that way. And so God, help us, change us, challenge us, move us forward, oh God. We give this to you, Lord, and it's in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said?